What you're about to listen to is... There's going to be two, aren't there? You're about to hear the first segment from the Guy Dance Affinity Group. That's men's meeting space Tuesday evenings in Europe and morning afternoons in the US. Luke Dodson and myself talking about gurus with some input from Hugo D in Oz and a word from Simon M. The rest of this audio will be available at the website but only for those who wish to come through the play wall. I still, I still don't. Obviously, I don't think anyone knows what quite what to make of David Sharna. Um, it's kind of the point, really. But um, I, it's really fascinating for me coming from uh, the Muji background because I was I was involved with. It's an interesting parallel with you and uh, John de Reuter, John de Reuter, whatever his name is. Um, that. Uh, you know, I, I was involved in another celebrity YouTube guru cult um, um, with Muji. And Muji's whole vibe is, um, I'm just going to hide myself, it's distracting me, there we go. Um, Muji's vibe is is a bit different from John de Reuter's because John de Reuter has no, from what I've seen, has no sense of humour uh, or very minimal sense of humour. Uh, whereas Muji has a great sense of humour. And so there is that interesting parallel with Dave, and they're, they're both Londoners. Or Well, Muji's Jamaican, but he's spent a lot of his life in Brixton. So he has that kind of streetwise Londoner sense of humour. Um, it's very different. It is a very different feeling, because one of the things I noticed was that looking at Muji's face... And just staring at his face would create this kind of vortex. And I would often find myself like everything else would sort of not quite disappear, but it would become much more blunter of this vortex. Where Devashana seems to do the opposite. Devashana seems to like disperse the energy around him. It's like, no, just this is just me. I'm just this is the thing that that's talking now. And then the real work, like you, you, you've said before in your blog, is kind of going on under the counter. And it's really interesting, yeah. Well, that's interesting feedback. I was, it's, it ended very abruptly, so I, I thought maybe there was more coming. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's quite a lot to pick up. I mean, because you went to the free event. I'm thinking that it was, was it quite a different experience, this one, than the last experience, or was it a continuation? It was. Yeah, the, the, um, the free event was like, it was sort of idle curiosity. It was like, all right, check this out. It was, it was quite nice. It wasn't immediately grabbed. I didn't notice any sort of different difference of mood particularly um but with this one i did kind of notice a change something something it cheered me up that's all i can say it just cheered me up it made me feel happier calmer more relaxed i noticed that i've had a bit of eczema on my hand flaky skin um which flares up when i get stressed and that seems to be subsiding maybe partly because of the meeting on uh, uh sunday um could be um other things yeah i feel just yeah sort of more relaxed and at ease really um which is a general i think it is a a a process that was going on already but um it was maybe maybe itself encouraged me to check out the Dave event 
um, and actually make the make the step to the doing it. And um, and also, I, I something else I noticed was you know the focus on natural living, being in nature, you know, being away from electrical products and things like that is something that I've not seen a lot of kind of contemporary YouTube spiritual personalities really talking about, um, presumably because it kind of doesn't gel with uh, their whole modus operandi, which is spreading spreading their their videos through the internet and stuff. Um, so that was something I thought was also a welcome a welcome difference too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, what did prompt you to sign up this Sunday, if you know? Uh, a few different things. The sort of um, general state I'm in at the moment, I felt this is it's a uh, it's worth a go to um, you know. It's like, well, 30 euros isn't too much money to take a punt on something that might might assist my um, general state of well-being. Um, it's been quite a, obviously quite a strange time with the lockdown and lots of, lots of things going on. Um, and also, I have to be honest, also being in a different, I'm in a, a different house at the moment. And I think that sense of the kind of sense of freedom of uh, I felt in the, you know, in my 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 family house where I was um, for a few months. Um, I didn't feel so comfortable to make the step to attending a another Dave event, partly because I was like, I don't want them to think I'm joining a cult or whatever, because they've already been through that. So it was this kind of embarrassment, to be perfectly honest. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in family property, but I'm not in the main family house. So I'm kind of away from, away from, uh, away from my family. And I thought, well, as as I'm here, now that I've done that, I feel much more comfortable wherever I am to um, to attend one of these things. As I've seen, it's um, it just doesn't feel like the cult vibe that I get from Muji, from John de Reuter, from any of these other, you know, sort of worst, even like Ben Tinium and Masara, whatever his name is, Teal Swan and that lot. It's, it's just not, it doesn't have that kind of vibe. It feels much more grounded, very down to earth. Um, and, um, there isn't i don't feel there's any encouragement to take too much of a sense of reverence or sort of awe it's very like no don't don't bother with that that's not with muji it's not like that it's very much he's he might say oh you know to be free but actually he loves it when people kiss his feet he loves it when people tell him he's god and jesus christ and the rest of it so yeah it, it it's I, I I feel like I've become sensitized to a certain kind of narcissistic ego game and a certain kind of also a hypnotic flow and way of speaking that um I didn't I've not seen in any evidence of that so far. Yes, well as as you know and as you commented, I've I've had the equivalent experience that you maybe had with Moody with John Deruta, so I have the contrast also. Um, like me, I wouldn't take you as somebody who would get drawn in, drawn to that kind of charismatic, but I guess, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't think I was that kind, but once, once the I found the right fit with John Deruta, the wrong fit that felt right, then, then I found that I was that kind of person. So perhaps we all have it in us. Um, and actually what I was looking for with John Deruta 
or at least one of the main things I was looking for, I couldn't get, which is very central to this, like the, the experience of being an equal, even if it's not true, at least the potential for it. That's not allowed around John DeRuto. It became more and more clear to me that nobody can aspire to that level, even if the talk is about, yes, everyone is. And, right? There's a double standard there which I think is generally consistent with cults. Of course, if there's an element of worship, that's it, that's the dynamic, it's worshipful, it would break down if there was any possibility of leveling up, never mind if it actually happened, but even if it's possible, that neutralizes the, the spell of worship, I think. And uh, so I, I, at a conscious level, I really wasn't there to worship John Deruta and I was attempting to level up and very central to that, that when you've read Douglas, this was, was wanting to collaborate with him and it just, you know, it just blocked the whole way. Like he, he didn't allow anyone, he didn't allow me to get that close. I shouldn't say anyone because he has an inner circle. But, um, and then my experience with Dave from the start was the opposite, right? From when I first met him, it had a collaborative feeling to it. He read Matrix Soiree in a couple of days and was recommending it to bookshops and this, that, and the other. It was just this feeling right away of being met in that way. And of course it's continued. Just the, the possibility of collaboration. And um, I would say, I'm probably in a uniquely good position there to confirm that Dave is looking for, I'll even say collaborators now, although he, he resisted that word for a long time, but recently he's, he said that he, he, he knows what, what I meant now and that he has started using it, but that he, he is looking for people to, who will step up and, and uh, um, become, uh, become enlightened would be the obvious thing, but it's not it, become actively engaged in 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 working with him. Even though uh, it's it is it's difficult to articulate because there is a gulf. This is the funny thing about Dave because he doesn't really have anything guru-like about him except these two little things that he's he's saying he's enlightened and he. As a spiritual teacher, right? So, a spiritual teacher who says is enlightened equals guru, right? There isn't really, in the cultural context, there isn't really any way to avoid that association. But beyond that, the labeling, the packaging, uh, he just doesn't really do it, do the guru thing. Uh, so, and I mean, one of the ways I experienced it, I think, is, and maybe this is what Luke was saying in terms of what you picked up energetically or intuitively, that he's 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 batting away the the mosquitoes of our projections. I think, which is what I observed that John Rooted would did not do. He 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 gobbled them all up, <laughs> got fat on them. He he took my projection and he allowed me to, which, you know, there's, there's a there's transference, there is a psychological model for that, it can work. And I think, actually, ironically, it did work with me and John DeRuta, but not in a way that there was ever any kind of peace made between us, there was never any acknowledgement from him. So I, I'm convinced that it was despite him, not because of him, that I, that I managed to make that relationship work or that non-relationship. Whereas with Dave, um, what I've experienced, and even as, as very recently, is that he's constantly thwarting and frustrating my attempts to project onto him, to establish some sort of transference, to um, establish some sort of position or relationship with him. <laughs> And and so I'm. I find myself. It's a it's a strange thing because I'd say that the more we've been able to collaborate, 
the less um, the less emotionally invested I am in having a relationship with Dave and vice versa. And part of that, there is an element of pushing against the kind of, well, I don't need Dave. Dave's just this enlightened guy. So, so what really? Yeah. And he himself would say it in a different way. He's just himself being himself. What are we waiting for? You can be yourself. He's even said you don't have to wait to turn enlightened to, to at least start living whatever portion of the life force and awareness we do have access to. That seems to be a more important gauge, you know, what we do with the awareness we have as opposed to how much awareness we have. So, so yeah, I do have this experience of pushing against him, like he's just this guy, what the hell am I putting so much time and attention into him for? And um, that seems to create space and then that's free of these projections and these uh, attachments. And then at least in this latest iteration, I've noticed once I've created that space, then it gets filled with something new, you could say the honey in the, in the honeycomb. Uh, and then I'm, and then I come back to, oh, I love Dave. He's an amazing person. He's really the most, the closest to a real fully embodied human being I've ever known. Why on earth wouldn't I want to sing his praises in a way that's collaborative and not worshipful? But it, it is, it's, it's a sort of tightrope, or both for myself personally, but also how it transmits to others uh, and whether it looks like an, a, a, you know, a disciple or a follower, you know, promoting his guru. I really try very hard to to not give that impression because it's counterproductive, it misrepresents the reality. Yeah, the um the collaborative thing that you mentioned is is also something that I find really interesting about Dave is because for example, like as you as you found with John De Reuter, you know someone like Muji, simply put, would never have anything to do with a writer like you, Jason. It just would not be of any interest to him to have anyone who is as sceptical, you know, because you always kind of, I get the impression in your writing, you're always kind of like, there's an element of scepticism. You kind of have little sort of playful sort of jocular critiques of Dave and the way he does things that are kind of, it's sort of like, you know, you mentioned about, um, oh, he's always saying it's the best meeting ever, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure why he says that, something to that effect. And that kind of little, and Dave himself even said, oh my, you know, yeah, my, the, my, my people like to criticize me all the time. And it, he's surrounded so he's obviously he wants people around him that aren't necessarily just going to be like oh, you're amazing Dave. I mean maybe there are people who are like that but I don't get the impression he's like really hungry for that whereas you know and that, that's a that's a nice thing that's a good sign I feel that's a nice sort of grounded it shows that he's not really from what I can see he doesn't really seem to be in it for the praise Maybe he gets something out of the praise. He's a human. We all do. But it's not really like the primary thing. Whereas, you know, I mean, with, I, you know, I, I, I acknowledge, it, as you say, you wouldn't, one wouldn't necessarily think that guys like us, you were quite sort of, you know, I, I was always known in my friendship group as the cynical one. He's pouring scorn on everything and he's being very sort of dark and just uh, it's all it's, everything's terrible the whole civilization's fucked um and and you got me you know at the age of what how old i was 25 26 i guess and i'm you know i'm putting my head to this guy's feet you know and um sort of and the kind of energy that I got from him uh, was very much like I couldn't, I could never be an equal 
it was just it was it was incomprehensible because even to be in his presence would raise up this sort of I mean, the presence of some kind of incredible being here and it's like really like oh, oh, wow and it was like I had you know I'd even after a few years I started to realize what a terrible terrible thing it was doing even though I still kind of thought this guy's enlightened it was doing something really bad to my whole nervous system and my whole body and the way I was presenting myself and it was making me I'd go into the sangha meetings and I'd like hunch down and make myself smaller, make myself like a kind of a timid little mouse, almost sort of an awkward, very kind of diffident and this, lots of this and all that kind of thing. And I even try after a certain point, I like, try like, come on, Luke, you're a man. Like, you know, little child, stand up straight. As Jordan Peterson would say, stand up straight with your shoulders back. And I try and I couldn't because just like the vibe of it would just like push me into so oh yes, um, and it took it's you know I'm still kind of disingling to some extent. It's I would say two years now made the final break with Muji, which was when I uh, my friend sent me an article about um, him being a cult leader and doing all these terrible abusive things to particularly to young women, but all kinds of people as well. And I, when I read it, it was like this relief of, oh, that's, that's what it was. Okay, that's okay. I'm, I'm clear of that now, you know. Um, because one of the things that Muji liked to do was really heavily guilt trip people. And he started doing it particularly after a certain point. He really started to lay a trip on people for not getting it and not being devoted enough, you know, and it would, it would, would really sort of like almost, almost imply that uh, the people around him were the reason for his ill health, um, which is, you know, the, the fact that, Muji's been quite seriously obese and diabetic for, you know, over a decade at least. Uh, is that obviously isn't isn't the reason for his ill health? It's because he's absorbing the energy of, the, you know, the karmic energy. He probably is to some extent as well, but he clearly isn't actually physically capable of holding that, and it's not even doing anyone else any good because he's also kind of staging this sort of group theatre. I don't want to talk about too much about Muji because it's not really why we're here. But anyway, he was kind of staging this sort of group theatre um, about uh, his own sort of need for a need for a family, really. Like you were saying in 16 Maps of Hell, you know, like the whole idea of the superhero team, the team of mutants as being this need for this family. And then... Interestingly enough, it, it's that need to create this family that ends up creating these situations that also wrenches people from their families, you know, and even in the case of the sort of the kind of transhumanist ideology that, that you know, we often speak about actually is trying to create a society in which families, normal wholesome families are actually destroyed. Well, it is interesting to me. Uh, hopefully it's interesting to others. And the parallels to uh, between Muji and, and John DeRusso, which I think I've been aware of dimly, because I certainly know of Muji, but I can't picture him offhand. So he's come up on my radar. But the way that you described, well, second, the last thing you said, the guilting, that was something that I found out about John DeRusso more by interviewing people than I hadn't fully become conscious of it myself until I was talking to people and they talked to the people who tried to leave and the, the burden, the pressure of guilt that was put on them by the followers, but then also even by John sometimes. I think he tells somebody that if they were to leave, it would be, it would break every bone in their soul, some things like of that kind, you know, really, really dark stuff that you know, it would just be here and there kind of thing. If you, wouldn't necessarily become aware of it because it was just incepted here and there with phrases and whatnot. 
so the guilting but also what Luke was describing there with the, the um, submissive position that was something that it took Dave's eyes for me to see fully because there was a video of me talking to John Deruta which in Bristol uh, which I thought was an, at the time was an amazing encounter with you know, God, with how I saw John Deruta, and and this is the other thing as well. I, I was terrified of John Deruta. I, I was so in awe of him that my the ordinary social anxiety that I used to have back then, uh, which was a lot more than what I have now, was magnified to the nth degree. Like like meeting. You know, Clint Eastwood or something, so where, where there's so much pressure on the identity uh, to not fuck it up, to not come off like an ass. We all know that just on an, an ordinary level. But if you project onto a guru this idea that others are projecting that they are like God in human form, the equivalent of, it can become absolutely terrifying for the false identity that's going to be utterly exposed by contact with this being and you know, every word and every gesture you make will determine the fate of your soul kind of feeling around him so yeah so i was i was really afraid of him without fully recognizing how unhealthy that was or without recognizing it at all and in the video it was taken in bristol uh, i'm talking to him on the mic and as I say, I remember that as this really positive encounter, he told me I was awakened and he told me all these things that I wanted to hear. And so I, I, I thought it was, you know, a big breakthrough for me that I was really leveling up and John was seeing me as I was, this awakened warrior. But when you look at the video, and again, I didn't until Dave saw it and commented on it, I'm this frightened little bunny rabbit, my eyes wide and John. I'm here today to ask you this and the hushed tones and so absurdly reverent and and that's how everyone is around John and and so you don't you don't I didn't really think much about imitating that until and even when I saw myself I didn't register but until and then when Dave saw it and mentioned it and then I saw it through his eyes and then I saw that that as the the person the kind of person that I never wanted to become, I was turning into. <laughs> it was so strange, so ironic. Yeah, you know, I would have despised that the person that I'd become like a year, year a year earlier, but I thought that I was, you know, in the presence of the divine and, and showing the appropriate degree of humility and 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 awe. That's really absolutely how it felt. But essentially I was afraid. I was afraid and, and I was being sycophantic. So it's like coming to the king, you know, it's like having an audience with the king.
Um, mentioned it was like an illuminated manuscript um, and, and sort of just um, I don't know, it, it's, I'm just a little bit baffled don't, don't quite understand you know because I wasn't at the event obviously um, just wondering uh, those that were um, was what was it was that was sort of a bit more special than this time round yeah, there, there was there wasn't a great deal of intellectual content. He was he was talking about very simple things, but they was they were so fundamental. I was going to say profound, but that that doesn't seem right either. They were just so fundamental: how to be in the world, how to interact with human beings, how to be in your own body, uh, how to be in nature, or why to be in nature how to access goodness, how to magnify or increase goodness. And there were, he was at, he, it seemed to me as I was listening, I, I became more aware, he was providing, he was providing information, almost like formulas. It's almost like he was giving formulas, but if you wrote them down, because my initial thought was, oh, I should listen to the replay and really take notes and so I could reproduce this illuminated text. But I didn't, I, I felt I wouldn't want to do that by the end. And I wrote what I wrote, which was just, okay, I've imbibed this, now I'll exude what I can exude. That is the equivalent, my equivalent experience of what he's talking about. He was sharing, transmitting, conveying how he is in, in, in the world, what works for him. I, I would say that this pertains to who's present and how attentive we are. If we're able to receive this, then he's more likely to deliver it. That, that he's sharing 
um, I want to say secrets, but it's not the words. They're not secrets. But it's like they're, it's almost as the, like they're secrets, maybe because they're so simple and so basic. Um, but ways of being in the world that optimize our experience and that lead to goodness, that increase goodness. So this is very personal, but I said it in the blog post that if I say this is a great Devashana event, what I'm really saying is I had an amazing experience. And, and that means that that infers that I allowed myself to have this experience. So it's a bit like a restaurant where you have to bring your own ingredients and you, you say, hey, Mr. Chef, I brought carrots, I brought chickpeas, I brought brown rice, I brought green pepper, that's what I cooked tonight. So it's the easiest list to make. Uh, what are you going to make me, tempeh and miso? Right? Or make me, give me your best dish. So yeah, when, Dave's a great chef, but he can only work with, with what I actually bring him. And then, of course, it's up to me to eat it as well. I might just stare at it and think, wow, look at those colors. But if I don't actually eat it, I'm not going to have the experience. Very, very collaborative. And I don't think people realize that. I really don't. And that's back to this, the guru thing. The gurus don't allow collaboration. It's, it's, they just, they make the meal, their own ingredients, they give it you, they spoon feed you, and then, and then they tell you how much you liked it. Right. There's, there's no, uh, input required. This is baby, like baby feeling. I suppose about the this year and some of the things. What what I've enjoyed about it is, is the fact that so many things. Um, about, I suppose, the search for, uh, or you know, self improvement and everything else is that we look for like the flashy. Uh, or, or even like systems or practices or whatever. And Dave's, my, the, lowest, the most recent weeks have just been building on what I call really mundane things, which is like relax, you know, like relax nervous system. I mean, I say mundane, they're profound, but it, they're so simple and common sense. It's like just breathing and relaxing and having a good sleep and enjoying those, those moments of, um, when you wake up, just enjoying the fact that you've rested well. And I mean, just stuff that you just go, well, duh, but then that's just like, I mean, I sometimes think with Dave, it's actually, it's just this really uh, intensely, like the intensity of the experience of life. And when I say life, not as in our daily lives, but the life force and, and in, in any way that it, it comes and I and I look at uh, especially after this event. I've just I don't know whether it was what's what's been working on for me, but I've just had a really intense week of of work where just things that I uh, that it's just the classic case of I might have to do three or four major tasks this year. That's when I when I was sort of thinking about my year ahead, and they have all happened this week. <laughs> It's just like this absolute smashing, if you like. And but I can sort of see how resistant, like there's a lot of resistance and intensity and pressure and everything else. And it's such a counterpoint to what we experience um, on the events, where it's re relaxation is encouraged. You don't have to be engaged with the content if you can be remain if you can remain in the feeling. And and what's sort of I'm starting to feel now is is it's the continuity of that feeling beyond the two or three hours on a Sunday and, and really leading into um, this relaxed way of, of being um, like the feedback I provided to Dave was um, I have a really good friend um, and from like from school basically. And, and when we meet, we just, we just have this real, had this vibe, that I just, you know, I just get a smile thinking about him and 
and we just get on really well. We always have a laugh because he was talking about the communal nature of humans, Dave, uh, at the end of Sunday. And I was thinking about when when you're completely relaxed with a person and you and there's that real trust and there's the and even if there are the little personality elements, but at, at its core there's like a goodness and there's a feeling that sort of comes when you let your guard down and you can just be, um, you know, just enjoy each other's company and and presence. Um, so yeah, I, f- I feel that that's similar to where, where the feeling that I got on Sunday, I just got this feeling that, and not just with Dave, but everyone in the group, I think there was just this common feeling of, of goodness there. So, um, yeah, so that was just some feedback for you. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's really, really good. Um, I think the few events I've attended, I've got to the point where I'm, I would call myself a uh, a clencher. So I, when I when I sleep, I clench my teeth. I think, um, and if I sort of uh, drift off, sometimes I find myself clenching my fists or certain parts of my body. Um, what um, what it's really helped me to do actually is to to the, the focusing on my breathing, which is something I've been doing you know for a long time anyway, trying to you know, get get into uh, get into my breath to sort of to be able to breathe normally more regularly for longer periods of time um it's always been a challenge you find yourself going back into old patterns but um what i find found really really helpful is as you say these these basics and especially thinking of the body that it's there's layers upon layers of upon layers you know got your your marrow and then your bones and and then you've got the the fascia and then you've got the nervous system and then you've got the lymphatic system and then you've got the muscle and and you've got the fat and you've got your organs and uh, and then you've got your skin and then you've got the hairs on your skin i've never ever ever put it into the context that that all of these systems need to actually function together and i think we, we we get to a point in our life where those systems and i think that's why i'm a clencher because none of those systems have been talking to each other through major parts of my life and um and and just in the matter of yeah in the matter of like this year um and the few events that i've attended it's a mass massive impact i, I mean I, I can stop and think and I, i'm not clenching my teeth it's it's like quite abnormal to me that I'm, I'm not clenching my teeth. I'm, my, my normal mode is that I stop and realise I'm clenching my teeth. Um, and now I'm stopping and realising I'm not clenching my teeth. And every now and then I'm stopping, I'm just going, really naturally. And and, and so it, I'm not, so what I'm about to say now, I'm not trying to belittle Dave. You know, these are things that you can learn yourself almost certainly and it and and you have to put the work in um but i think he he takes so many elements from so many different boxes <laughs> weird analogy but so many different places in the room he brings them all together and they create sense in in you know from 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 disparate places all these different ideas that's why i was expressing so many different things like you know there's the body there's the breathing there's the uh, intuitive nature and some of the things you've said it's the letting down the barriers so people don't feel judged by each other as a group you know all of these different kind of things and really sort of and then the cooking thing it's just bringing it all together into a, into a pot which makes which makes sense and that that's what i've been getting out of it and um yeah so i'm 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 still really careful to you know to go down the enlightenment road because um i can't speak for dave i don't know how he feels and i can only know how i feel um and obviously i don't even think i know what enlightenment could be if it did exist or if it does exist um i think a more immature me would thinks of glowing lights and uh 
and, and, and soft glows and, you know, warmth and expansiveness. But in reality, it's, uh, I, I think it's a, a person who's really, really able to tune in to, you know, what it's like to be in the womb or what it's like to be wherever you are before you come into the womb or what it's like to um, grow up in a perfect world where you, you are able to use every function of, you know, um, the body that's, that, that's there to be able to use, like knowing how to use the machinery properly, being, being taught how to use the machinery and being taught well and practicing it. And it's something no, nobody, you know, to be able to get to that point, you know, from being whole and then broken is probably the most difficult thing. So I think that's what I'm learning that enlightenment is. It's, it's learning how to use the machine uh, in the environment that it was meant to be used in. Yeah, it's interesting with the, the whole concept of enlightenment because I, 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 I do think that if, um, if Dave didn't refer to himself as enlightened or refer to the enlightenment transmission, I might have taken a quicker time to get onto him because it was one of the things like I remember reading about Dave, you know, first time a few years ago on, on Jason's blog. And I think that's interesting. And it's like, oh, this guy claims to be enlightened. Uh, kind of like I was also I was on a Muji trip as well so I was like you know Muji's very careful and very clever in the way that he refers to himself as being he he kind of implicitly refers to himself as being enlightened but he'll sort of the way he he kind of he, he, he he's so indirect about it that you can kind of you can almost get away with saying it's like I'm not saying I am but I definitely am Whereas Dave just comes out of it. It's like, I became enlightened in 2000. I just, what? And it's like, <laughs> it's one of the things that kind of made me, you know, a little um, self-conscious about it with my family. It's like referring to, talking about Dave. It's like, well, so who's Dave? Who's Dave Ashana then? It's like, well, he's this guy who does this thing called enlightenment transmission. They go, oh, God, what the heck? What is that? <laughs> You're not getting yourself in for another cult, are you? <laughs> and, but I, the way I've, I work, I kind of, I kind of see it, and it's just the way I interpret it, it, make, it ration, rationalizes it for me. Dave referring to himself as enlightened has an element of almost this sort of weird joke that he's sort of he's kind of trying to he's sort of trying to put up this screen of okay enlightenment transmission that's what it is um but it's not what you think that it's not what it sounds like it's nothing like what it sounds like he's sort of again it's like what you were saying jason about kind of batting off these projections but by using a term like enlightened like what why does he why does he refer to himself as an enlightened teacher i suppose well it's probably the quickest shorthand for him to describe whatever the, his experience is that seems to be manifesting in different people in different ways something's happening around him and that's why we're here you know, some, something seems to be happening around him and we're all sort of here talking about it um but it's still just like it is <laughs> kind of makes me laugh like the sort of the 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 irony and the 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 the, the humor of it of of dave being the kind of guy he is um and also referring for referring to himself as being enlightened. Uh, it feels like a, a sort of an interesting kind of screen is being put up for me. That's how I that's how I rationalize it anyway. Could it be as simple as typing in an enlightenment and there and there's I understand what you're saying, Luke. It's kind of like, was it that easy that I was I'm seeking I'm seeking it and I've found Dave. And there it is, as opposed to smokes, the usual smokes and smoke and mirrors and 
you can't have a, it's just like, oh no, you just come along and see what happens. But I understand, like, I mean, going back to what you were saying, I, I haven't had that experience. I've been just, I suppose, fortunate in a way that I, I haven't really gone after any, I have seen, a, I went to India with my sister and went to see a, a guru there and, and they're all doing the feet kissing and everything else. And I, I was sort of up the back. I didn't really want to participate, but um, some of the teachers I have had along the way have all sort of said, it's always put, put back on yourself. And I think that's the, 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 the trick with that word enlightenment. There's that sort of sense of finality and it's a one-off. And if I can just sort of, you know, grab it then i'm i'm done and i don't have to worry about life and everything else and it, i just don't think that that's a real i think that's the mind and i think it's it's real i think there's more of a a continuity like there's a, a continuous um life experience and the deeper and richer that experience is that's probably closer to enlightenment than some sort of you know, bringing all your stuff with you and going, oh, one day I can still be this identity, but just I, I've added the enlightenment tag to my list of things. So, yeah. Well, one thing I'd say about Dave, well, the phrase walking contradiction comes to mind, but which is... Uh, I'm Taxi Driver, a movie that Dave references a lot. But in the fact that he's an East End lad who grew up rough in one sense, and certainly, I don't know, as a kid, but certainly as, a, as an adult, a, a very skeptical, very uh, street-wise. Street and I think, I imagine, I mean, presumably it was a learning curve, but it seems to me that even quite young, uh, as a spiritual seeker from the age of five, I don't know about that, that young, if, uh, at a certain point anyway, he became more and more skeptical about being a spiritual seeker, a seeker about the spiritual marketplace. Uh, and certainly that's how he is now. He's, he's a spiritual see seeker who's spiritually cynical. He's cynical about the spirituality and the spiritual marketplace, which makes him the perfect spiritual teacher for, for me. And I think that seems to be central to why I've been effective in bringing people to Dave, because the kind of people who are attracted to me, they are drawn, they are spiritual seekers in the true sense, because as am I my whole life, but they're paranoid, aware, skeptical, seriously skeptical people therefore inevitably cynical about the spiritual marketplace because there's no other way to look at it except with stars in your eyes. Um, so, so yeah, Dave is an odd, he's an odd combination there. Well, I didn't mention the other part, that he was a spiritual seeker at five and he was trying to find enlightenment from the age of five according to his own account. So, um, so there's another side of Dave which is just um, the opposite really just innocent he's, he's like an innocent that's why he can say best event ever and, and all this hype and the way he talks about himself and even I'm enlightened which I think was what he said when it happened whatever it was I think I'm enlightened because because he had that concept he was seeking enlightenment for, for almost 30 years and then whatever happened well it happened it makes sense he would put the tag enlightenment on it because he was seeking that and, the, and, and then he found what he was seeking, right? So in a certain sense, although he's, he's spiritually aware and, and, and skeptical, so yeah, there must be some strategy in him using enlightenment as well or an awareness that, of how he could make it work for himself. There's also simply, well, that was, what he thought it was when it happened. I thought, oh my God, I'm enlightened. And it's just, it's just all very simple to him. I think that's my impression. Like, um, yeah, from the age of five, this East End, East End boy, who somehow gets 
the idea into his head that enlightenment's what he's after, and dedicates his life to finding it, and then he finds it, and it's the most wonderful thing, and it's enlightenment's the right word for it. Just because something's been co-opted and corrupted doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, it's like something is counterfeited thousands of times, and all you encounter is the counterfeit. It's easy to assume that there's no real thing, it's all, it's all counterfeit. There's no gold standard. But actually, that's illogical, because you can't counterfeit something unless there's an original. Right. So Dave's an original, I would say, and although he's spiritually or politically savvy, you know, I don't think he's quite politically savvy. I think he's becoming more so. I, I want to say through knowing me, I've definitely been an influence in that way. Uh, but he is naive in some ways that I think need, you know, uh, whatever it's kind of uh, aren't helpful. Um, he is socially savvy, but underneath that is this, is this, is this simplicity and innocence that although he knows that enlightenment means this and that to all these people and will push buttons and all that, and presumably is working with that as best he can, I think the bottom line is he just he just says what he sees. And, that, that was, that's how he interprets what had happened as was in enlightenment and my experience with Dave from the start has been my concepts about enlightenment meeting his felt experience of it and yeah one of them has to go right and yeah I lost I lost that I'm like, okay Dave if you want to see enlightened whatever the hell you are uh, you know, it's um, it's very different from my concepts about enlightenment, but um, it's it's more awe-inspiring actually. In the end, I mean, now that I've known him as long as I've known him, it's it's more daunting than even my my idea was. Well, you don't even want to hear my idea, really. It's easy to guess. Uh, it was something much less human and much less ordinary. It's funny, like just thinking about that, you were saying, we were talking before about the, um, in reference to your book about the super, superheroes or whatever. Um, but it, you know, we, when we think of enlightenment, we think almost a superhuman, uh, you know, whatever superhuman abilities or whatever um and i don't want to i'm thinking of a different way of expressing this word but with dave it seems to, there's a real focus on the natural and i'm going to say supernatural even though that that's not i don't mean it as in supernatural in the way that culture would dictate it but it's like a heightened state of natural um like extreme naturalness and and that's sort of where this year i feel is really gone um certainly for me anyway it seems to be what i've been picking up uh and and others so yeah this kind of um naivety that you were talking about jason it's another thing that i find quite striking about dave is uh it, it seems like it seems like it's quite genuine i think with a lot of spiritual teachers there's very much an attempt to affect this kind of like faux naive kind of like uh sort of simple simple wisdom you know certainly i found this with muji of like really he really sort of his whole his the way he uh uses sort of facial gestures and everything and language you know he's well he's jamaican so he kind of 
I think deliberately play up a little bit his sort of colloquial, um, you know, Jamaican way of speaking of sort of, you know, using 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 vernacular grammar, you know, using 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 uh, non-standard grammar, and and even though he could express himself to an astonishing degree of precision and eloquence, he's very 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 well-spoken guy, but he would you know. Um, uh, he would, he would, I think, play up to particularly his predominantly white audiences, sort of sense of you know the 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 what is in in movie tropes, you know, been referred to as the magical Negro. Um, he really played up to that of the sort of the the wise but very simple kind of uneducated but really you know sort of uh, uh, sort of possessed of this kind of divine wisdom. Um, Dave just genuinely seems like he's just kind of, he, he does, off, he just loses his train of thought quite regularly. <laughs> just kind of, it's kind of where, where was I going with that? Uh, hang on. Uh, just very, it is, it is quite, it's quite a natural thing. And so, yeah, I, I, in thinking about it, I think there is something that that plays into his his, his sort of claim that I, I'm just enlightened. I became enlightened too. You can become enlightened too. It's it's this very sort of it's quite quite interesting that you know yeah, lots of people have come to Dave through you, Jason. We're all kind of quite cynical, dark, pessimistic, even potentially quite well. I think seeking to be i think underneath optimistic i think you know this is the thing with with um what was it someone someone once said that um cynicism is cynicism is the 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 flip side of idealism you know that the, the people who really hate the world that they see they want to love it they want to live in a world that they they can love and feel at home in but they don't see that what what, what i saw with muji is also people if they saw some charismatic evangelical christian preacher would just be like no but then they're following in you know following this guy who's very 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 explicitly has taken inspiration from sort of you know evangelical preachers evangelical christian preachers um and uh, this kind of guise of guise of naivety yet with certain spiritual teachers see that at this point dave i don't see that it's it, it doesn't seem very affected it seems quite like kind of natural you know Alright, that's all you get of this public podcast for the non-players who haven't shown the willing and the impetus or the gumption to cross the paywall by the paywall. Ah, Freudian fucking slip. Right, that's all you get unless you want to come through the paywall. Over the paywall we're talking about good and bad science and uh, relaxed letting happen of awakening versus the super ego driven DMT boosted self traumatizing kind next week's podcast will be on the other side of the play wall for all to hear and it's me talking to Dan Mitchell of Luminosity about why he freaking hates the word enlightenment so much and uh, why everything's a cult so why worry about joining a cult? That's my point of view. It's a, it was a terrific conversation I had with Dan. I strongly encourage you to check it out. And I don't ever say that. So there you go. History keeps revolving. It'll be like-